On today's episode of the Marketing Expedition podcast, I got to speak with Christina Ward, and she is a top producing real estate agent in Boise, Idaho, and she has helped buyers, sellers, and investors meeting all of their goals. And in 2013, she was named one of Real Trends' top three individual agents in Idaho. And she's also received the Idaho Business Review 40 Under 40 Award, and she was nominated for Women of the Year for Idaho Business Review in 2021. She's currently the team leader of Christina and Company at Keller Williams Realty in Boise. The team is ranked in the top 20 teams in Idaho by Real Trends, and her team has closed over 1,500 transactions, and 91% of her team's sales comes from referral or repeat business. The Christina & Co. team not only sells a lot of real estate, they also have earned hundreds of five-star reviews from creating exceptional client experiences. And as a former college athlete, Christina carries a drive for winning while also serving her clients and sharing what she learns with others in the industry. And she's a great connector, let me tell you. Christina has also been ranked number one in 2018, 19, and 2020 in her office for donations to KW Cares, a local and national nonprofit. Her passion is to help not only buyers and sellers, but also other realtors, especially moms. She is a great real estate teacher and coach, and she loves being a small part of other people's successes. In addition to her many professional endeavors, Christina lives in the east end of Boise and adores her husband and two kids. Before we get to Christina's interview, I need to tell you all about the Aspiration app. It's basically a financial firm with a conscience. If you use my link at peppershock.com slash offers and select the aspiration app, you will get $50 cash and $25 do-good dollars when you spend $250. And those do-good dollars, you can donate them. Of course, terms and conditions apply, but save money, save the planet at the same time, and say hello to the money that works for you. Aspiration puts more money in your pocket and helps save the planets. The cool thing about Aspiration is there's zero fees at any ATMs in the world, zero monthly and overdraft fees. Of course, your fossil fuel deposits and gain your own personal impact score and then get $600 in cell phone insurance when you pay your monthly bill through your debit card that you'll get through the Aspiration app. And then of course, unlimited cashback rewards on every purchase and extra rewards for spending at socially conscious companies. Again, go to peppershock.com slash offers and select the Aspiration app. And now it's time for the Marketing Essentials Moments, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. Today's topic is all about marketing automation, using email list database automation, continuing to enhance the contacts and leads that you're capturing, engaging with those contacts in a relevant, personal way to help you continue to create that repeatable and scalable process that we're going to talk more about with uh, Christina. But we want to share with you a tool that we use at our agency at Peppershock Media uh, that we use with our clients and continue to help build that marketing automation process and getting those leads that are qualified and ready to buy, right? You want to continue to build your database. And also, like Christina will talk about, looking at the people who already know, like, and trust you that you continue to consistently have those touch points with that she talks about. So our tool that we use is called Benchmark One, and you can use this tool through us, uh, through the agency, and it will help you with website tracking and tagging, doing drip marketing campaigns, the email automations that you can set up where 
where it's uh, when people click on certain things and they're going to get more emails based on those things that they click, their behaviors in your email. And we know email, you really have to do the right things to be able to break through all of the clutter that we get in our inboxes, right? And so understanding how people are engaging with you, there's some lead scoring if people are clicking and engaging you with on social media and in your emails and on your website and all of those things that you can track will help rise those people who are interesting and engaging with or interested in engaging with your audience. Those are the ones that you really want to make sure you follow up with, right? And it helps you save time with this automation. It gives you the tools and the techniques to be able to continue to keep a pulse on all of your efforts that you're doing to reach out to those people and how you can continue to build that awareness and keep that top of mind awareness going, right? Keeping those touch points out there that Christina will talk more about as well. And so we have some tools that we can do that with you. If you're ever interested, reach out to us at Peppershock.com and we can certainly talk to you about how marketing automation tools can maybe be a very powerful way for you to continue to benefit from the database that you currently already have. And of course, continuing to build that database over time. And of course, there's lots of things that we can do to look at your email setup and your marketing automation system and give you some pointers. Even if you already have a tool that you're using, maybe we can just give you some additional uh, things that you could do to tweak it and make it even better and tracking the things that you're doing and maybe setting some goals if you don't have necessarily, you know, goals that are already set up for what you want to do. And of course, having that ROI, getting that return on your marketing investment and the time, talent and energy that you're putting towards your marketing system. And of course, email is not dead. And so we want to see if there's ways that we can continue to increase your open rates when you're sending it, help you convert those leads and those emails and those people that you're connecting with into clients for you in the future. All right, let's now get into the interview with Christina and talk all about these wonderful things and more. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Christina Ward. Welcome to the show, Christina. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thanks, Ray. You're amazing. Oh, thanks. So, okay, let's just dig in. I got to know you a little bit over the last few months, and we met in EO, or Entrepreneurs Organization of Idaho, uh, which is a global organization, and you are as successful as they come, my dear. I just love seeing you and your career and all the things that you do. But let's give a little taste uh, to our audience a little bit more about you, kind of how you got to where you are now. What did you do? Where did you get started? Just give me this journey. Uh, I'll about Christina Ward. Oh, okay. Well, I was uh, start when I was born. No, just kidding. Um, so, so I got into real estate when I was 23 years old, right out of college. I graduated from Boise State with a health promotions degree and um, in health education department and had no intention to be a salesperson, to be a business owner, or to be a realtor. So it was on accident. I babysat for realtors in college That's and nice. they, I became their assistant and then quickly wanted to do the selling and make the commissions and not be an hourly employee. Um, so sold real estate through the recession, which was the best learning lesson of all time. And I think that it's actually helped us build wealth in ways because we've lived way below our means since the recession. 
and has helped me help other people build wealth, which is really cool. And then now today I have a team. Um, my team at home is my family. Lane is my husband and Spencer is seven and Emma is four and they're incredible. We have a lot of great support at home with my parents living here in Boise. And it's just, I feel so lucky to have my home team. And then my work team is there's eight of us that sold about hundred, not about, we've actually sold 137 homes last year um, between the admin staff and the salespeople. And 89% was referral or repeat at 75 million in volume. Wow, that's so awesome, especially during this economy where, you know, it's houses are, are hot right now. I mean, it's like trying to find one for somebody is, is trying to find a needle in a haystack, right? When I find a listing, I'm like, oh, here's my baby listing. I'm going to take such good care of it because they're so hard to find. And so marketing, communication, relationships is so important to find the business. There's 8,000 realtors in Idaho or not in Idaho, sorry, in this part of Idaho. So there's a lot of competition and not a lot of business to be found. So you're right. It's, it's a great market in some ways, but it's also a really hard market to be a realtor. So of those that you sold, how many of them were relocations to this area? I wonder. I should look that up. It feels, it feels like about half of our buyers are relocating from Washington, Oregon, or California. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also have a lot of buyer sellers moving out. Yeah. So Upgrading. They're not just coming in. Yeah. They're, going, yeah. they're leaving. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that is interesting because of the, the way the market is, right. You, you hear of new people coming into the area or, oh, we just moved here from wherever. Right. And, and so getting people that are getting used to the area, getting used to Boise and, and the whole way of life in Idaho, the different seasons that we have, we, we probably better not talk good things about Idaho because then more people want to live here. Right. <laughs> I think the the bad thing is the driving culture has changed. Have you noticed that? That there's a little bit more aggressive drivers. And I'm like, when I moved here 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. you'd stop at a four-way stop and nobody would follow the rules. It's always almost dangerous. People were too kind. And they say, you go first, you go first. And then all of a sudden we're all going and almost getting a car crash. And um, I I wasn't used to that driving culture of such kindness. And so I've noticed it's still there, but maybe there's a little bit more aggression out there. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and more traffic. So true. Right. And we're expanding the freeways and expanding, you know, more lanes across the valley to, to get people where they need to go. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Big city. Yeah. <laughs> Are you finding it more difficult to be able to be able to do what you're doing because of the sort of the, the housing shortage, if you will? I mean, you're having to really pull out different tactics to be able to do this now, isn't it? Yeah, I think that it, especially because I've gotten to sell real estate in a buyer's market and a seller's market, most realtors don't last long enough to be in both markets. And I think they're both challenging. Um, which one would I pick? Which one's the hardest? I think the great recession was still harder than now. I'd, I'd pick this over now. Um, it was hard to be a buyer's agent in the great recession because there were so many houses for sale and so much fear from the buyers that, you know, they, they just mm-hmm. would just, my buyers would just disappear and they wouldn't even call me back because they're just afraid to buy. And then now there's a lot of fear from sellers. If I sold, where would I go? So you really have to have motivation to move. I just moved this last year. I don't think it's a bad time to buy and sell real estate. It's actually real. There's really great opportunities. It's just having the motivation and having the right people to help figure out the math and figure out the, um, the timing of it all. Um, so I, I, I'd like to actually see a, a market correction to get some of these 8,000 realtors to go away. It's too easy. 
I'm saying that with a lot of love and kindness, it's too easy to become a realtor. It's not easy to be successful. So usually with market shifts, they like the market goes down and the realtor count goes down. And that's actually how I built my business was I held on in the recession to real estate, eating rice and beans, like literally barely surviving. And I got to take on a lot of people's clients that used to have a realtor that has a nine to five job now. So I'm kind of excited about that to happen again. (laughs) So, I mean, if we had our crystal ball, when do you uh, think that that might occur? (laughs) Um, It's going to happen. I'm very confident that we're going to see a market shift. I just don't know when. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought it was going to happen back in 2017. Oh, like wow. historically, mm-hmm. that's when it should have happened. The markets go up and down every 10 years and we peaked at 06. We should have peaked again at 16 or 17. The reason why I don't think we peaked is we went so far down. We had to cut, we ha- we're still recovering. Well, we're, I think we're recovered now, definitely recovered now, but for a few years, we were recovering from the greatest downturn of all time since World War II. So then 2019, we started to feel a shift again, very tiny, but I can feel it because I lived through it last time where there was a little bit longer days on market. There's a little bit more buyer and seller weirdness. Like you can feel a market shift when people out start acting weird. I even felt it last fall, like a little bit of buyer and seller weirdness started last fall. Um, So I thought that that was about to happen, but then 2020 happened where we had other reasons to move and other motivations that caused our market to continue. And another problem is, is that after, during the great recession, a lot of builders and tradesmen got and tradeswomen got out of the industry. So we've had a shortage. The whole country has had a shortage of building since the recession. So we're just barely catching up. It's been a weird low inventory market just because there hasn't been enough homes being built. Do you think that there has something to do with the generations too? Boomers are retiring, maybe they're, you know, downgrading to homes or maybe they're, you know, selling off their homes. But then now we have these millennials that are starting to be home buyers, and there are more millennials than there are boomers in generations. So, I mean, I'm in, I'm kind of in the sandwich. I'm I'm a Gen X or well, I'm like on the cusp. I'm like an uh, an Xennial, right? Gen X and millennial. But me too. I, I, you, yeah, exactly. Do you, do you feel like the millennials because they're starting to buy homes now? I mean, it's it's going to be a different shift. Because because there's just so many more of that generation than there were previous generations combined, right? Well, yeah. And then how can they even afford it? So it's mm-hmm. just like really a crappy situation. What's interesting in the recession, there is some first-time homebuyer incentives that almost bought buyers early, right? So like buyers bought, they bought homes earlier than they would have because of the government incentives. And then that caused our market to be kind of strange the years after. Same with last year. Did we buy buyers early because of the pandemic? So many of my clients said my plan was to retire to Idaho in five years, but I'm buying now because I can work from home. So what's that going to, how's that going to change our future market? Like there's just so many, so much uncertainty. And I also see this culture of millennials or um, even younger than millennials, not wanting to have roots or have like a commitment to a house. But I don't see anything else, especially right now, that's better to invest in, even, even if we believe we're at the top of the market. If we can afford our mortgage and we can live in it a long time, markets go up, markets go down, and they eventually go higher than they were. And I would just recommend young people to buy a house they can afford and own it for a long time or keep it as a rental. Every single house I've ever owned, I've kept as a rental, except for one. Sorry. 
but my goal now is to never sell and only buy. And all of those assets are appreciating, which I don't bank on that's icing on the cake, but they are cash flowing, which is incredible. And I don't have to do anything, but just collect the checks and have people manage it and have my clients pay my mortgage or more. It's incredible. And I'd like to see more young people do that as long as they can afford it. Right. Yeah. That's always the click, you know, the center to make sure that you can afford, you know, if you've got multiple mortgages, but if you have a renter in it, of course, it's great because then they're paying your mortgage for you pretty much. Right. Mm -hmm. And rent markets, it seems like you can pay more in rent than you would for a mortgage. So if people are renting, then, you know, you're going to make a little bit because the mortgage is getting covered plus, plus a little bit, like you said, icing on the top. Yeah. That sounds like a good strategy for sure. So, okay, let's talk about some of the tactics that you're taking since we are going on a marketing journey. You know, in real estate, there's lots of different marketing tactics that people take. And I know you've built up some wonderful databases and just things that you've done. So I'd love to share and give some inspiration to other people out there, even if they're not in real estate. I mean, you should like use real estate as an example because it's, you know, industries that market in different ways. So let's uh, hear a little bit of your genius and cleverness and how you get your name out there. And of course, referrals and word of mouth are always number one, but what are some things that you're, you're doing that help you bring in buyers or sellers in the door either way? Um, well, everything I do, I've copied from someone else. So I wouldn't call it genius, (laughs) but thank you. I'm just really good at like finding someone that's done something better than me and copying and implementing their business. So, um, uh, so we have a 52 touch marketing plan to the people that already like us, trust us and know us. I don't do a lot of advertising to strangers. I do a little bit of farming, we call it, in real estate where we farm to a neighborhood. um, And that's a 12 direct, 12 touches a year. And there are statistics that show we get about a 50 to one return from farming. So farming over time is a really great strategy, but I get a much better return. I have a 14 to one return on my database. And I'd like that to be better. I think that one of the reasons why it's not as good, I've had it as low as eight to one to 10 to one. And that's when I called my database more, but I have kids and I I have a priority to my children. But when I called my database in the recession, four times a year, I would call them just to check in on them. Nothing hardcore sales. Um, All, I mean, that's how I grew from the rice and beans era to selling over a hundred homes a year. So the the additional 52 touches are a 12 um, email campaign about the community that's I want people to open my emails and go, awesome. This is bringing so much value to me. Not like, oh, how annoying. Another like real estate email, you know, community information, market information in a video, events that we're having. And then it shows the houses we sold. So people can know we sell a lot of real estate because they need, people need to know that they're hiring an expert and that I want it to be so good that someone would pay for it. You know, that, that, that's the vision that they would pay like a monthly subscription to our emails, which we don't charge, but that's how good I want it to be. Um, we also do old fashioned mail. I remember in the nineties when, did you get email in the nineties? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't, I don't think I really started using email until, you know, college, which, you know, late nineties. So, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, 
<laughs> but remember how exciting it was to get an email when you first got email? Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, you, you, I was being recruited to play volleyball um, and I ended up playing volleyball at Boise State. That's how I came here. Yeah. Um, but I could communicate with college coaches through email. That was pretty much the only emails I got in the 90s. So I was so excited to get an email. And now we get hundreds of emails a day oh and we're gosh. like annoyed, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think mail is the new email right? I think mail <laughs> is so exciting, especially a handwritten note or something that has a little bit of shelf life. It's so old school, but it's, I think it's great marketing. So we do 12 direct uh, mail of a newsletter. I call it like a clean cosmopolitan to our database. And it just has like fun stories and nothing about real estate. Nice. It's been, I've been mailing it out. It's a yellow black and white newsletter. And luxury realtors in California would cringe if they saw what I mail. And I sell a lot of luxury. So it's not like it doesn't, it works for everybody. Um, but I've been mailing that out since probably 2007. In the recession, I could barely afford it. So I took it to every other month and I would hand stamp it and mail it myself. But I remember I got a client once and she called me and she said, she's a friend. And she said, I can't believe you're successful right now. I'm so amazed by you. And I was like, I'm not successful. I'm barely surviving. But like the, the marketing consistently mm -hmm. to my people helped them see me be successful. What I tell realtors all the time is if you start doing something and you stop, they're going to think you're out of the business. It is almost better to not do it. So whatever you start to do what in whatever business you're in, keep it consistent. Even if it's not like amazing, just keep doing it or else it's going to backfire. Right. And I love that you track the numbers too and know what your rate of return is on the efforts that you do. I think that so many people just do things without tracking it, without understanding, you know, what your return is, what you're getting out of it. And I think that that's really important because the things that you want to consistently keep doing are the ones that are working, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. The other fun thing we've done, because I cannot get to the four phone calls a year anymore, because I choose to not make the four phone calls a year anymore because I choose to spend more time with my family is we do four events every year and we market around the events. And um, I, I think that any business can do a client appreciation event or a um, database building event, even like bring a friend event. And it could be massively um, successful like ours has been. And it just feels so much more authentic when we call people or email and say, hey, would you like to come get your family portraits done? Or would you like to come to this barbecue with live music in the park? And then I get to connect with a client that I sold a house to eight years ago and rebuild that relationship because they, they do kind of forget about us. And, and think about how many times we get emails or Facebook advertisements from other companies. We have to be in front of people more. Some people are going to think 52 times a year. That's ridiculous. But like, how many times do you get an email from Jimmy John's? or Amazon prime. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just like in our face and in order to be remembered when somebody needs us, we have to be in front of them more and add value. Cause if they don't trust us, then it doesn't matter how much we're in front of them. Yeah. Toma top of mind awareness when they need you, you're there. Yeah. And when, when they don't need you, you're still there, but not when they have the need. So it's like, you got to be there right when they need it and anticipation of when something might occur. That's good. That's good. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about these events then. So you do four events a year and you mentioned family portraits and barbecues. What are some, what are some other events that you've done? Um, we're the next one's coming up. It's a home makeover. So we make over a family in need, 
um, house and we do it just, it's not like a big remodel. We just do what we do to get houses ready for sale. So our contractors that we send a lot of business to offer their services for free. So window washing, carpet cleaning, house cleaning, painting, landscaping, even our stagers have come in and helped with like ideas to redo furniture in a house, their, their own furniture. And so we just send the family off to um, an overnight hotel and we, in 24 hours, we redo their house. And that's really fun. That involves our contractors and it involves our clients. They come, everybody comes and helps paint. We've taken two years off because of the pandemic. So we're really excited to do it again this spring. Um, And because of that, we've tried new things because of the pandemic. So pre-pandemic, we did the four was the home makeover, the barbecue in the park. We do a masquerade ball for our top 300 most referring awesome, like, core advocates. We call, call them our most valuable people. And then we do, um, Thanksgiving pies for about 150 people that stop by our office to pick up a pie. Um, and then since the pandemic, we didn't do the MVP or the, um, masquerade ball. Uh, and we didn't even do the barbecue in the park. We didn't do, yeah, pretty much did everything. We did only the pies and then we did pet portraits in the spring and then family portraits in the fall. So photographers, our clients that happen to own photography business, donate their time for two days. And we set up like 10 minute sessions all day for two days straight. And our our clients love it. And I get, I'm so, it's so fun. I get their family photos, like their, their holiday cards. And it's our photographer's photo that they did for them. It was really cool. That's great. And it helps build business for the photographers too, because then they could come back to them later and pay them more. And so it's a good family fun community vendor and client relationship extravaganza. (laughs) I love it. We're always looking to promote local businesses and, and to be a part of whatever we're doing, including the home makeover. We make it not about us and our team and what we're doing. We make it all about our contractors and how incredible they are. And I know they, they've got a lot of business right now, but they want good business and we want to give them, you know, the right clients to take care of in the future. So it's super fun to support their business. Absolutely. So, okay. You went to Boise state and came to play volleyball. And so then while you were playing volleyball, is that when you were babysitting for the real estate agents? And that's when you kind of learned. So you kind of took a a career pivot from, tell me about the path that you ended up taking unknowingly and what you learned by being able to go through the college experience and then getting to where you are now. Well, I'm really grateful to have been an athlete. I think athletics teaches um, dedication, goal setting, hard work, um, doing the hard stuff to get to be like the, to get to win. And then also the losing to learn to have many lessons from losing as well. And um, so there's yeah many benefits to being a college athlete and in just like they paid for my college. Like that's just actually incredible, right? To be a representative of the university, travel across the country and get to compete was an amazing um, opportunity. What I didn't realize in college was that I was building relationships, that like the families I babysat for are now my clients. The girls that I played with or the other teams are clients of mine, um, coaches, the, 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 um, director of the kinesiology department's client, you know, I just couldn't, can't believe the relationships that have led to so much abundance and success in my life. And, um, and really, if I'm thinking about why I'm successful, it is because of relationships. It's because I have more relationships than most people. And then I married my husband who went to the university of Idaho. So I got a whole nother set of relationships from 
the beta fraternity brothers. And it's like, not like, oh yeah, I'm going to be their realtor, like annoyingly be their realtor. But it is in the back of the, my, my mind. I have all these new, like potential friends that I could, if they chose to hire us, I could be their realtor. So that's, that was a, a accidental gift to Mary Lane from the University of Idaho. Right, right. That's great. Of course, now you have the rivalry in home, right? Broncos, Vandals, you know. <laughs> it's very confusing, but it's good. It's, it's fun for the kids. Yeah, I was. So my parents went to U of I and I was born in Moscow, but my undergrad is from Boise State and now I teach at Boise State. So, you know, and I have a bunch of uncles that went to U of I. So we have that nice uh, banter that goes back and forth. House divided, right? <laughs> yes, that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Um, okay, so tell me some of the success stories of people that you've helped along the way. I mean, I know the the events that you do and things like that, but just what's a what's a kind of a a story, a success story of of you know maybe a, a family or you know one of your clients that really kind of comes to mind when I say success story. Oh my gosh, we've helped over fifteen hundred people. So sometimes I um, that's overwhelming in itself to just have all those memories and and I, I don't. I haven't forgotten any of them. Like they just come up randomly. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, humble, I, I remember sitting on people's kitchen tables and talking about them having negative equity, you know, and oh, yeah. do, do you have a check for $30,000? And when I was in my twenties, having to have those conversations to get out of their house without having to do a short sale or foreclosure. And, um, and then also those humbling experiences where young people are really set up and I'm moving them out of state and they're capturing $200,000 worth of equity today, you know, from only a couple years of home ownership and they're able to start a new business in another city or do something they would have never done without that asset. So I have a lot of interesting money experiences with people and it's very intimate to go there with people and their money. And I feel grateful for their trust. Um, probably my best success story is though, is my team. I mean, they're the ones that are really, I'm, I didn't sell 1500 homes myself. I did it with an amazing group of people that are specialists that do incredible work. We can't earn 89% referral or repeat over hundred transactions a year, year over year without being the best. And I work with the best and the transaction to me, isn't as exciting anymore after 17 years of doing this. The, 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 I mean, I adore my clients, but it's, it's my clients are my team members, seeing them be successful, watching Tracy go from knowing no one in Boise, moving from Bend and she was a realtor there to becoming the number one buyer's agent in our whole city. That's way better than a transaction to me is being a part of Tracy's success or Aiden, you know, operate, she's in charge of the entire operations staff the success team. And she allows me to go be entrepreneurial and have ideas and generate leads. And so, and she takes care of all the details to watch her truly own that role and um, help other people on her team on the admin side succeed is um, the best feeling in the world. Awesome. I love that you love your team. That's awesome. (laughs) I talk a lot about company culture and just, you know, loving where you work and the people that you work with because you spend the most time with them, you know, and that's if if it's not enjoyable, it's it's not it it can make life miserable. So I'm glad that you care so much about your team. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. What do you think that makes your team, you know, differentiates them, makes them better, makes them, you know, who they are and so successful? 
Um, well, it's our goal to make every client feel like they're our only client. And we get that feedback a lot that, that they feel actually feel that way. Even though we have about 25 buyers and sellers under contract right now, their, their biggest, it's their biggest asset we're dealing with and they, we want them to feel important. And so what we do have set up as far as systems on our team is an in the box, like it is a boxy system, right? It is, uh, this email is sent at this time and this phone call is made at this time. And there's, there is a, it's not a paper system and it's not a system in the head. It's an online system to make sure we don't miss something like a deadline or a communication, but I don't like in the box systems. I like being really authentic and um, um, personal, right? But we can be personal when we have the system. So we put a heart around the box and our heart is what we give to our clients. So we can see a problem coming and prevent it or fix a problem because of the systems and because of the people behind the systems. Like for example, I got a low appraisal the other day, which is the worst, mm-hmm. right? For a seller, like the worst. Yeah. And I spent two hours on that project. I guarantee my competition can't spend two hours on a low appraisal project because they have too much going on. So it's the specialty in the systems. I think that creates the amazing experience for our clients to feel like they were our only one. It's kind of like when you go to a doctor and they only have 15 minutes to spend with you and you feel like, well, thanks for that. And then they charge you, you know, a bazillion dollars. I mean, I like the ones that will spend a little time with you and explain things to you and work with you and really kind of dig in and understand, you know, the symptoms, right? And then give you the prescription as opposed to, oh, yep, you have this. I'm going to just give you the prescription and on to the next patient. Well, same thing here. Home buying, it, it is a big, you know, it, it, like you said, it's the biggest asset. It's it's the one of the big decisions that people have to make in their life when they do it. I mean, some people make it more often than others. And some people stay for a long time, but it is, I mean, it is that intimate in that, you know, time frame that you're spending with people. I think it's great that you can make the time and make people feel like they're the, they're your only client, you know? I mean, we, us too, like for a pepper shock, we have clients and they always want to think that they're the only client too. So <laughs> I totally get that. And it is all about customer service and relationships. And I love that you put a heart around your box. <laughs> it's great. Well, and it's like, tra- our business is transactional. The average person buys and sells a house every 10 years. So a lot of realtors treat their clients as a transaction. And we say the transaction never closes, but that gets us. I mean, that's really good for them, right? That they are getting more than, than with our competition. But for us, it's brought us back so many referrals and repeat business that it's actually, we're the one winning from it. And it just blows my mind when somebody treats someone like a transaction, when they say they're going to do something and they don't do it, that they lost their trust in, in business for life. There's two, I'm replaceable. There's too many of me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not perfect though. And I find that communication solves the imperfections and that can rebuild a relationship. When we do make a mistake, how can we make it right? I remember the day, um, here's a story of one of my favorite um, mistakes or clients the day before, um, Emma was born, or maybe it was the morning that Emma was born. It was a scheduled C-section. I was talking to my clients about a mistake that I made and it was a big one. It was probably $10,000 and it's a long story, but it's a a rental property that had, um, prorations for um, deposits and rent that was done incorrectly. And the house had already, the property had already closed and my clients were owed $10,000. So what I did 
energetically for myself to go in to deliver a baby and not be stressed out is I gave away the $10,000 in my head. And to them, I said, I am giving you the $10,000 or I'm going to get it for you one way or another. You get that money back. It's yours. And then I, so I let it go so I can be relaxed and not stressed out about it. Yeah. And luckily I have the abundance to let it go. Right. And I've seen people do it before that have in other industries that are a great example of that, of making it right for people. I ended up getting the money from the other side. The escrow company helped me and we made it, made them whole and they've bought and sold many transactions with us before. If I didn't do that, I would have lost all that business. It's always, as long as people aren't crazy, we will do whatever it takes to make them happy. <laughs> as long as people aren't crazy. <laughs> I love that. They're crazy. Um, we won't. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> yeah, they have... just ask for more. I've learned that the hard way too. When you give yeah. so much, yeah. they keep wanting more and more. And I'm like, oh, this is not my ideal client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's so important too. I mean, after being in business, kind of similar time frame as you, we, we developed this thing called the CWI score, the client worthiness index, CWI. <laughs> Writing that down. Oh, yep, okay. yep. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, were they on time? Would they respect our opinion? You know, will they pay us on time? Will they, sh- you know, all, all these things were they prepared for the meeting like we asked them to be? Did they do the homework that we asked them to do? Did, all of these kind of questions. And then a big one is, what does your gut say? Like, what's your gut check? You know, and, and, and so they can score, you know, one out of 100. And if 100%, like that means that they're a perfect client, right? I mean, not everybody is perfect. But if, if they're like really low on the CWI score, and they're just not a good fit, and they're, you know, they're demanding, and they just, you know, want us to be order takers as opposed to partners and working with them and in the entire creative process, right? We have to be able to, you know, like you said, trust each other and trust the client that, and make sure that they trust us and what we're going to do, you know, because we're messing with their marketing. Of course, we want to make sure that it's it's done well. So yeah, the CWI score, um, you know, has come come a long way, and and you know we've kind of made it our own. But it's it's true that if you don't have a good fit and you don't have you know your personalities aren't driving your you know your expertise that they you know if they don't trust you and the experience that you have, and they're just going to be kind of you know jerks about it. You know, it's just not fun, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. letting those guys go opens up so many new doors. Mm-hmm. I've only had a few clients where I just really wasn't a fit or my team members weren't a fit. And it is such a relief usually for them and for us. And then it's unbelievable when we're holding on tight to something for so long, how it, we were losing opportunities and then opportunities opened up right when that like, energy even opened up. It's incredible. Yeah, it's definitely worth it to make sure that you have the right fit up front and they're the ones who you want to work with for sure. <laughs> well, and because then they'll they'll like the experience and then they'll refer you to other people and then it's just a ripple effect, right? But those bad apples sometimes, you know, if you do force yourself to try to work with them and it doesn't work out, then they're going to tell people too how bad you were or whatever, right? That's not what you want. So yeah, <laughs> getting the right fit, finding the right people to work with is, is absolutely vital to making sure that you and your team can work well together. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's see, what are some of the things that, 
you you mentioned the database that you've built over the years. I just am curious, like, what are some things that you've done to build up that database? Like, I know referrals come in, but what what are some of the activities or ways you've gone about being able to build your your list of people that you send emails and snail mail to and all the things that you do? Like, give me some examples of what you can do. And maybe other people can get inspiration from this, too, about how they can continue to build their list. Well, that's really good. I think that some most people, I teach a class across the country to realtors, 100 homes by referral. And usually every realtor or business owner has one of two problems. They either aren't getting the business from their database they have, or they're getting enough business from the database they have and they need to grow it. So it's either talking to your database more, just the size that it is, or it's growing it. And my problem is definitely growing it. And in order to grow the business, to the goals to support my team members. Um, so growth of the database has been really um, just accidental, really, if I'm thinking about it. It's people that close transactions with us go in the database, of course. And then also um, when we meet people doing some marketing efforts. Um, so when I was really intentional about growing the database, I would like, especially when I was doing open houses or anything where I was front for like facing face to face with a potential client, I would just ask them or find out through a series of questions what they really need. I think the thing that salespeople do wrong is they assume what other people's need, needs and then they just talk without listening. So I truly just ask questions and find someone's desire or needs and then I have the solution for them. Example is they really need a contractor. I've got amazing contractors and vendors I work with or they really like market um, updates or want to know what's going on on a monthly or weekly basis on the market. So I find out what they need. And then I say, I have that information for you. What's your phone number? And I get their, all their full con contact information um, and send it to them later. And that has been a really cool grassroots database builder. And in communication and sales is truly listening. And that's hard. It's, it's changing our statements into questions and hearing what people want. And then they're moving towards us magnetically versus us being like, an annoying salesperson. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing I've taught my clients to do in order to grow the database and grow referrals is how to refer. So when I was calling my database four times a year in the recession and connecting, I would often ask them, who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling a house? Not every time, but just when the time was right, I would ask. And they usually don't have a name and number right when I ask, right? It's not like someone's sitting around, I've got to buy, you know, a buyer right in front of my nose. But what it did was it got them to usually say, I refer to you all the time. You guys are the best, real, you're the best realtor. You're the best real estate team in the area. And that's an opportunity for me to thank them and tell them how important those referrals are to us. And then I often, when I have the right rapport, I say, you know what? I've never ever heard from one of your referrals before. Like, I really appreciate the referral. That means the world to me, but they have never called me. And I usually just do a big pause there and let that soak in. Most people don't call people they don't know. So next time you find someone that needs to buy or sell a house, can you just send me their name and number and I'll call them right away. Mm -hmm. And so people text me. It's a, I got one yesterday, name, number, address, phone number. They're expecting my call. It's like what realtors pay for Zillow leads. Like mm -hmm. I get it from my database because I've trained them how to do it. And I've authentically asked them to do it. And they, of course, they know that my style is not annoying. And so they do it. Yeah. And the other thing I've done more recently is group texts when I send referrals out. So I'm teaching people how to refer 
by connecting people. So a group text is like, I go on a listing appointment and they need a carpet cleaner. I have the best carpet cleaner in town. So afterwards I just group text and say, Hey, Jones is me super shine. You guys, these guys are the best carpet cleaners. These are my new clients connect. And they see how I refer. So they feel obligated or they really want see that that's a way to, yeah. yeah, to refer yeah. in the future. So group text is, I think, an awesome way for us to do outbound referrals, but also teaches people to give us referrals that way too. Yeah, I agree. I love it. And texting gets opened way more than emails do, you know, hands down. So I think, yes, text is definitely the way to go if you really want somebody to see your message for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, Christina, tell my audience exactly how they can get a hold of you. I mean, I know this this podcast goes nationwide, so this kind of really applies everywhere. But I'm sure you have connections and other people that you can do, even if you're if you're not living in Idaho. But if you are in Idaho, you, let people know how how can they get a hold of you, and what can they do? Maybe other real estate agents want to you know learn from you and do the class that you offer too. So just give all the digits and things that you need, or I guess URLs or whatever it is, <laughs> contact information to communicate with Christina. <laughs> okay. Christina and company.com is our website. So it's all spelled out Christina and company.com. And there is our webinar. The hundred homes by referral is on there for only $99. And I think that it would be beneficial for any business owner that has repeat potential that is missing out on potential repeat or referral clients um, from their past client database. Um, so that is on there. Definitely great for um, agents and has all of our contact information on the website as well. I'm Christina Moore Ward on Facebook and Instagram. And um, you guys can call or text our office. It's 208-869-2444. Excellent. All right. Any last words of wisdom for those that are going on this marketing journey with us today? Well, I feel like marketing and advertising, and I'm saying this to like the goo- you, the guru, is a little bit it seems to me from the outside looking in, it's a little bit like throwing darts at a wall and seeing what sticks. And I know that you guys do a lot more than that as far as like research and past successes, but that's just been like an observation I've had with um, other marketing firms Mm -hmm. or marketing people besides you guys. And the cool thing about marketing back to people that already like us and trust us is we can, we can convert so many more of those um, potential new clients and have, like you said, we're working with people that we already like people that are, that are the ideal clients for us have other ideal clients that they know. And we might as well start there as the basis of our business to ref, to market back towards our own personal database, and then potentially add on new sources like the farm or like what you guys do with social media or another, another source of marketing on top of that very important basis. Because I mean, gosh, like we're always looking for the next client and sometimes we forget they're right under our nose. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for joining the show today and giving us all of your words of wisdom. And until next time, everybody, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. 
People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.